0: You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. My name is Jay Worth. I'm uh, really really excited um to have Megan Townsend from Altitude Arborists out in Colorado on the show with us today. Megan, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much. Hopefully you're well as well, Jay.
0: Yeah, doing doing well. Doing well. Thanks for asking. Megan, you know how um this show functions. You've listened before, so uh, we try to open each episode with some immediate value for the listener. We want to make sure they're getting their money's worth, um, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, so in your experience uh, in the green industry here, um, what are kind of the top three common threads you'd say in companies that you've seen that are really successful?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so first thing is having ownership and management that understands not only in the importance of working toward hard big goals, but also setting up systems to have a company that allows them to enjoy life every day. Um, Also having a plan for career development for all employees. And uh, something near and dear to my heart is emphasizing health and wellness for everyone on their team.
0: I, I love these answers. I, this is going to be a lot of fun this episode. So um, Megan, if you would um, just give the listeners a sense. I mentioned that you uh, are with Albert Arborist, but give them um, a sense of your experience, how um, you and your husband got into the industry and started the, the company and um, you know what you're doing now.
1: Absolutely. So I like to joke with people that I'm an arborist by marriage. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> taking it way back, my husband Hunter and I met uh, as college freshmen at Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And um, he was a forestry major, I was an equine science major and um you know through college i learned a lot about trees (laughs) Um, helping him study um you know spending time with him while he was interning with the state forest service all of that so um you know i ended up graduating with a degree in nutrition actually um, and uh, then uh, started applying for pa school after after college Hunter got a job with a tree service up in Fort Collins right after school got out. And then he landed his dream job at the Colorado State Forest Service uh, up in uh, near Walden, Colorado in the middle of nowhere. I graduated from PA school. I started practicing medicine up there Um, And life was great. He was the state forest manager. We were going to spend our lives up there. And then life changed. Um, (laughs) We had uh, (laughs) kids and just various circumstances led us back down to um, what we call the front range. So kind of the city back down here where I grew up uh, in Broomfield. And uh, Hunter went back to working for a tree service. And uh, I worked for a dermatology practice for many years. And then we decided, you know what? we can, we can do this better. Uh, and we opened, yeah, we started altitude arborist. Uh, I still worked full time in dermatology and, uh, you know, I was doing helping in the background on nights and weekends and helping in the field sometimes. And, and then COVID hit (laughs) and, uh, you know, For us, it was a blessing in disguise. It really allowed for some personal reflection and exactly what was I doing? Um, I was running myself ragged, you know, helping run the business on my quote unquote spare time, also working full time in medicine and
0: um, And family thrown in there. Right? Yeah,
1: like... yeah, yeah. And and being furloughed was honestly the best thing that ever happened to me. I started working with a career coach, and she gave me the permission, essentially, to yes. leave healthcare, I had to have someone else give me that permission to say, you know what, you have a successful business, go grow it. And that's what I did. Um, about two years ago, I left healthcare, I still volunteer from time to time to keep my my license. But I'm all in uh, in in the tree care industry, and, and I love it. Um, you know, I'm the COO <laughs> of Altitude Arborist, uh, so that means I wear a lot of hats. Uh, we're a small company, so I do finance, HR, marketing, legal and regulatory and strategy. But really, my passion uh, that I, I get to do is being involved in the industry. Uh, Hunter's been gracious enough to uh, allow me that, uh, and it really, you know, it's helped the business too but um you know i've been involved with TCIA we love going to executive arborist workshops i was on the dues task force and i get to speak at expo in november so i'm really excited about that
0: congrats
1: yeah i've been i spoke at pro green here in denver earlier this year i'm speaking with uh, uh the women in green uh through alcc here in colorado coming up next week um, one of the things we love to do is um, Involve our whole company in in industry events. So we do saluting branches. We um, take yes. the whole crew to Pro Green. Um, we do climbing competitions. So you know, just really involving everyone. And and my my current baby right now is I'm chairing the Tree Care Sector Partnership in Colorado, and we get to guide apprenticeship and workforce development in in Colorado. And uh, that gave us the opportunity to build a registered apprenticeship program for our company. Um, We have three registered apprentices right now. It's really cool. It's amazing. Um, And and now the sector partnership is joining forces with CalCAP, which is the Colorado Arborists and Lawn Care Professionals. And um, so we're hoping to expand arborist apprenticeship and build a lawn care apprenticeship. In in Colorado, so I mean, all of this is just an awesome way to collaborate with everyone in the industry, and and really, you know, our whole goal as a company is to really elevate the industry. Um, that's just what we're all about. So it's a lot of fun.
0: I love that, and there's a lot of overlap with what um, my passions are personally. So I think that that's, um, you know, um, I think it was John Lewis from TCIA actually said um, something like, you know, a, a rising tide lifts all boats, you know? So it's like, I'm the, yep, I'm there. I love that. Um, so the first, um, I want to circle back now to your to your three points. The first one you said is that ownership and management understands the importance of working uh, hard towards goals, but also setting up systems that allows a company uh, to have, so they can have a company that allows them to enjoy everyday life. And I don't think every anyone I've ever, interviewed has framed it this way Um, and and I love it I think I think it makes a lot of sense I want to paraphrase so correct me if I'm wrong I don't want to put words in your mouth sounds like you're saying owners and managers have two tasks to keep in mind one is is working towards goals like you need to set goals you need to work towards them you need to figure out how to work hard towards them and then two um, structuring the company's workflow so it doesn't depend on their presence day to day is that fair to say
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and we're working our way there, right? We're small. So, you know, we can't just completely take off for months at a time. Um, but, but it's absolutely important that the mindset is there. Um, my one of my things I say on a regular basis is I work to live. I don't live to work. Um, and that that's always been something that I I hold very important in in our life. And and so I talk a lot to people about making sure they prioritize what is most important to them. So sitting down, creating your BHAG, right? So I'll let you in on my my BHAG. Um, it's that <laughs> Hunter and I have a place in Alaska and we spend three months out of the year there. And either we've sold our business, right? We've grown to the point where we've sold it, or we've grown it to the point where, you know, we have people that we can absolutely trust to, to run things in our absence. Um, But all of that comes down to every single day, you, you know, not just waiting until you get there, but enjoying the ride, I guess you could say. So, you know, setting your priorities and ours is of course, family. And so every decision we make um, revolves around our own family and our work family, right? Our, our people are, are part of our extended family. And so um, every decision we make is, has that top of mind. And so that means we don't work weekends. We don't do overtime. Um, We pay people what they should earn working 40 hours a week (laughs) Um, and um that means everyone can enjoy their life outside of work. Um, you know, that means we have to set boundaries. Um, we have to you know, what when, when we first started the the business, um, the office was in the house. You know, when I started working full time, we built an office out yep. you know, outside the bar. Space.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I don't work inside the house. And how stuff doesn't come into the office. We try to keep that separation. Um, and setting time boundaries, you know. I take I am so fortunate that I'm one of those people I get to take my kids to school every day. And then I come back, I work, uh, and then I get to pick them up and I shut off, right? Work, work is done for the day. And and it's not a hundred percent, right? Nobody's perfect with like. no shop talk at home. Um, but we really try, we really try to do that. Um, and, and I think I see it a lot in business owners, not just in our industry, but every industry, you know, they're just frantic. They're, they're working so hard. They feel like they can't step away. Um, they're just miserable. And that's not the point of being an entrepreneur. (laughs) Most people started their own business to, to be able to enjoy life a little bit more and and people get stuck. I feel like in, yes. in in the rat race. So, um, you know, I have all kinds of, of, of things I talk about in that frame and, and actually help. I've, I've started with coaching people. Um, and I, I actually give a specific talk about this, that that's talks about getting out of burnout and, and, you
0: know, spending yes. your time enjoying life more. Yeah. I love that. Um, so I want to just, um, let's look at like real practical. How do yeah. you guys set goals? You know, you talked about yep. like, okay, you have to have a big goal that you're working towards as a company, as an owner a manager, whatever. How do you guys go about establishing those goals? Cause I yeah. think for like, I hear guests talk about that all the time, but we don't often discuss specifics.
1: Right. You know, it's funny. I when I at, talk to people about setting goals and we actually ask about this in the interview process. Um, we want to bring on people who, you know, have their own personal goals. And uh so I just I tell people to just sit and close your eyes and imagine where you want to be in 10 years and and really have you have to have a crystal clear vision you actually have to see yourself doing what you want to do in ten years, not just sort of some, you know, ethereal, sort of dreamlike state, but you know, where am I living? What am I doing? Um, uh, and and who's with me? and and then then and only then can you actually start breaking that down into manageable pieces into how you will get there. And so for some people, that goal is very focused on their business specifically Uh, for some people it's focused on what they want to be doing outside their business and and how they can make their business grow to fit that Uh, but but ultimately it's having an absolutely crystal clear vision that then you keep in front of yourself every day so you know okay and and setting a, a time right so our our time frame for our goal Is once our youngest kid has graduated, that's, that's, we're set up to be able to, you know, go, go do what we wanna do. So I don't know. That's a little bit different probably than the way a lot of people talk about goal setting, but that's the absolute basis to me of of solid goals.
0: Well, no. And I I think that's, I think that's really helpful and practical because it's not just so many times when people say, oh, I wanna grow my company by, 15% or 20% year over year. And it's like, but why, (laughs) (laughs) but why is that like an arbitrary number you arrived at? Or does that number serve a larger purpose? And it sounds like that's what you're saying is like, you need to have that larger purpose in mind and then like be like laser focused on it. And that's what helps you break it into those manageable, manageable chunks where you say, okay, well, we're going to grow 10% year over year, every year for the next, you know, 10 years. And that gets us to where we want to be.
1: Right. And I think something that's really important that a lot of people don't think about is, is smart growth. Um, you yes. know, sometimes we see it over and over and we've been really careful not to grow too quickly because we've seen where people grow really fast. It's like you're and reading my run notes, out of money. by the
0: way. <laughs> I'm like like, the questions I was getting ready to ask you. No, keep going. This is good.
1: Yeah. I mean, but people, you know, that's something that, that, you know, Hunter being in the industry, his entire career, he's seen how, how people just say, oh yeah, we can, we can have go from one crew to four crews in a year and, and they overextend themselves. And Then, you know, it's funny, we get phone calls all the time from clients that say, yeah, I had a really great arborist and then they just stopped answering my call because they haven't Mm. set up the systems to, to make sure that their clients and their employees and everyone is supported as they grow. Um, and, and the other part of it too, is you can have a really large, um, uh, why can't I think of the term uh you can you can make a lot of money in a year for your company, right? but if you're not bringing home enough because you've overextended yourself in all of these areas, that huge amount of gross profit may equal a very small amount of of net profit, if any profit at all <laughs> so. Um, you know, setting, setting things up to make sure that you're, you're not overextending and then collapsing is really important.
0: So how do you balance that? Because I mean, for me, you know, again, that's the tension um, that I, that I hear people talk about all the time and that um, I've experienced in businesses that were growing is it's, okay, how do we balance those growth goals with the infrastructure? Because people don't always have the means to take on manpower, equipment, et cetera, that allows them to get to where they're going. So how do you balance um, that goal with like, is that conversations you have with your team? Is that um, growing more slowly than you would really like to grow? I mean, what does that look like? I don't know.
1: I mean, I, I think it is a combination of those things. I think growing more slowly, it's, that's been something, you know, Hunter and I are, uh, a good pair because I am visionary. Let's go after it. Let's do all the things right now. And, and he's much more practical and saying, yeah, yeah, but (laughs) I'm, yeah. And (laughs) he's, yeah, but, um, and, and picking your next growth goal as something that's perhaps something that brings in a better return on investment. Right. So instead of us adding another crew, we're probably going to focus on building our plant health care division faster because the overhead margins are better to, Yeah, mm-hmm. to have have that um, then allows you to say, OK, now we've got a little bit better cash flow. Yep. Um, we're set up to then expand into another crew if we want. Or, you know, do we add a, a different division that brings in um, brings in different kind of, of income? Uh, I, I think really sitting down and, and strategizing, and I'm, I'm, I'm not somebody who has all those answers always. And so we often outsource a lot of that. You know, I work with a fractional CFO. Um, and awesome. I think that is something that is, really underutilized. Um, Most entrepreneurs, including myself, uh, learn the hard way that you can't do it all on your own. (laughs) And so having that, that humility to say, okay, is it in my budget? And if it's not, how can I prioritize in my budget to outsource certain tasks that allow the company then to grow? Um, so that's for us, we outsource, we have a fractional CMO. So for marketing, we have a fractional CFO uh, to help us make smart growth decisions. Um, and and that's usually probably growing a little slower than we'd like to. Um, but in the end, our sanity is intact.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, so part of what I hear you saying though too is part of it is okay, if you don't have the infrastructure for that, look at it. Um outside help like you know these fractional positions that can really um you know you're bringing in expertise that you don't have in-house and that's a huge time saver um and it's a huge um accelerator for your growth even too because you know again those are people that that maybe have um experience that you don't necessarily have in-house as you're trying to grow your team so i think that's a really good um really valid point that i don't hear very often
1: yeah no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I there's a, a part of this talk that I give for you know how to how to create a business that allows you to to live your life, and uh, I reference the the um, book, the Five Hundred Hats of Bartholomew Cubbins. It's this you know really old uh, Doctor Seuss book that a lot of people don't know about, but it's this peasant essentially that takes off his hat for the king and there's another one and another one and he can't take off enough hats to make them all go away. Um, and and so for, for me, sometimes I feel that way, but eventually at the end, this Bartholomew is able to get rid of all of his hats. And that's my goal at the end of nine years is for all of those hats to be gone, <laughs> except for maybe one uh, and, and part of that is finding the right team members. Um, but when you're really small, you're not going to be able to afford to bring all those team members on. So having those fractional people, um, help you.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's really, really smart. Um, so that's the the goals, um, portion of that first answer. Now let's talk about systems. And I love this part because I think it's super important. Um, cause you've got the goal and the goal is, you know, like for you, you've mentioned, you know, we're gonna get to Alaska like for a quarter of the year. We're gonna spend a lot of time somewhere else that we wanna be that doesn't involve us running the business day to day. Um, One of the best leadership lessons I ever learned was, uh, or leadership advice I got was, um, start working yourself out of a job from day one. Like the moment you walk in the door, start working yourself out of a job. And the intention there behind that statement is, you're either training your replacement or, or ideally both training your replacement and um, installing processes that make you not essential to the daily functioning of the organization—it should be able to run without you. How do you guys, uh, or how do you personally, um, prioritize the tasks that need? Like, how do you decide we need a we need a system for this so that I can be out of the way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and truly everything needs a system. Uh, you know, we don't have all of those completely in place yet. But preach. If oops, my earbud fell out. There we go. But really everything works better as with a system. Um from my background in healthcare, that's well established. Uh that, you know, from safety efficiency everything works better with checklists and processes and systems uh, so I'm lucky to have that background and something I, I recommend to people when they are overwhelmed and they want to grow and they don't know what to do and they they don't know who to hire next or what to do next is to literally write down every single thing that you do uh, and and it might take a month right where where you're you're documenting all, all the tasks you do and all the essential functions that, that, that you perform for the business. And, and then you figure out how much time those, those things take. And, As you're doing this, um, something that's really fast and easy to do is if there's something you know that you do repetitively that you're thinking, this is so ridiculous, I can't believe I'm doing this, This, I, I shouldn't be doing this, someone else could easily perform this task with very minimal training, you take that task and you literally record what you're doing. So for me, I do a lot of work on the computer so i'll just screen capture a video yeah. of how i send an invoice right how to schedule your a friend. client <laughs> right um so so you videoing that and then if someone doesn't want to watch a video to learn how to do it you outsource someone creating that step by step process in a handbook format um, I, I personally like the video concept because it's faster and easier to change than it is to go back and go, Oh shoot, that document's old. We don't do it this way. Any, yes, way I agree. Um, but that's a really easy way. So even if you haven't fully delegated that task, say you're sick for two weeks and, y- you know, or something happens, you're unable to, to, to do what you need to do for the business. You can say, Oh, here's the video how to send invoices, done. Um,
0: yep. and,
1: and 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 you know that it's going to be done right because it's some, you're literally showing the person exactly how you do it. Yes. Um, you just may have recorded that video a month ago. And then once you've done that and you learn that that person can do that task, you don't take it back. <laughs> you know? um, you're there for backup. Yes. You're now That's the right. backup person. <laughs> Uh, That's right, and, and someone else is doing that. And, you know, part of this whole process is you put your different tasks into into different categories, and then you say, okay, all of these these tasks can be performed by a finance person, right, or someone who does your books or whatever. I'm going to hire this this person because everyone else has too many hats. Okay, now. We're able to hire this person on now. Of course, we have an accountant and bookkeeping outside, but there are certain internal finance things that you need to do in your business um, that that happen before they go to that bookkeeper and accountant. Um, it, you know, and that can be done with marketing tasks. Um, that can be done with HR tasks. Um, all, all of these things that that eventually you're giving those things away um the other thing that i think is important is time blocking so you've created that list of things that you can do right um and and if there's not enough hours in the day it's time to start delegating some things but the things that you're keeping then you time block um when you're going to do those you literally physically put it on the calendar and say I'm doing HR tasks from this time to this time on Thursdays. Uh, And then as you get an email or something comes in that's not an immediate need, but needs to get done at some point, you save that to pop back into your email at that time. Uh, So for me, I use a a software called Superhuman uh, for my email. And, uh, it's all keyboard based. And so if there's an email that I need to remember to pop up into my email on Thursday, I just hit H start typing Thursday. It pops up Thursday. I hit enter. It will show back up in my inbox at eight o'clock in the morning on Thursday morning. That's and amazing. That's it. <laughs> so, um, you know, little things like that and automation, um, you know, for, 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 you know, we, we use we use single ops. Um, and That's not why she's on autom- the show, folks.
0: I'm just saying. The,
1: the, the new automation features that are on there, and I'm sure other softwares have them as well, but taking advantage of those. So your invoice reminders are set up. Your visit reminders are, are set up. You're not paying someone to do those tasks. So people are alleviated to do other things that can't be automated um, is really important as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's tremendously. And that was actually one of the things I was going to ask it. You know, I asked, how do you just decide, um, or I asked, I should say, how do you decide what things need to be systematized? And a part of what I heard you say was anytime you think to yourself, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. This is such a time (laughs) suck that's a good, like, like train somebody else how to do it. There's going to be a lot of owners yes. and managers calling out sick after they've recorded Bloom videos. Now, you know, <laughs> right? I can't, you know, I can't make it in. I've got a video that shows you how to do it. And then they're never going to touch it again. That's right. Um,
1: <laughs> and you know, and, and checklists, right? So, so yes. we all think that our people know what they're supposed to do every day when they get in. Um, it's not true. It's a hundred percent not true. They may know what yeah. to do and of no fault of their own, right? They're they're chatting, we want them to, you know, enjoy each other. But they're all sort of running around like, who's going to put this in the truck? And who who's doing this or that task? If you have specific chess checklists that say, okay, the ground lead ground worker is doing this, this and this. And the foreman is doing this, yes. this and this all before they leave in the morning, then you're just more efficient. Everybody feels better. It's just this, you know, it's the magic of making lists. It's it almost, all it almost sounds like think. you're
0: saying, Megan, I don't put, again, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It almost sounds like you're saying your employees are happier when they know what you expect from them.
1: Why? Yes, <laughs> that's correct. Jay. And and Crazy we've, we've actually, you know, discovered that hard truth. You know, I mean, we've had, yeah. like I said, we treat our employees like family, I mean, we've had hard family discussions um, that always they ultimately comes back to we didn't know what we're supposed to do and uh, we didn't know the expectation. And that's ultimately always comes back to, you know, owners, managers um, to to set people up, yeah, but also to give your employees the permission to take. Take ownership. You know, we're always saying from the very beginning when people are brought on in our company, if you see something that can be done better, we want to know about it right now. You know, we want it. It doesn't mean we're going to change things immediately always, but I mean, we have a new person that we we just brought on, and he's already starting to notice um, different things that can be done better. And we're just fostering that. And, and, and he's like, I'm worried that I'm going to be in trouble. And I say, not if you approach it the right way, you say, Hey, Foreman, I'm going to help you this, this, and this, um, does that work? And of course, I mean, most people say, you're going to help me do my job better. Absolutely. Um, and, and so really empowering people because those are your next leaders. Um, when, when you, when, you know, there's going to be people Mm. who don't take the reins, and they just are going to kind of stay in the same place. Um, unfortunately, we tend to hire people that don't do that, which can be a problem because then we don't have enough people who want to stay on the ground. But I'll take it. I'll take it any day of the week um, <laughs> to have people that are motivated uh, to improve themselves, to improve their their situation um, and, and have just a better harmony in the company.
0: Yeah. It's a good problem to have. And that actually is a is a really good dovetail. Um, your second point was having a plan for career development. And I don't think I could agree with that any more strongly. I've spoken about that at length uh, with guests on the podcast. I've written about it. I've spoken at a conference about it. Yes, you need to have a career development plan, a path, career ladder, whatever you want to call it um, for your employees. Um can you explain when you say the the term career development? Can you define that term for our listeners? What does that mean to you?
1: It really is driven by the employee. I mean, we we bring it up, we make sure it happens, but we want to hear from the employee. What do you want? We, it's again, it goes back to that question, where do you want to be in 10 years? And I am very honest with people, I don't expect you to say I want to be working at Altitude Arboris in 10 years. We'd love for them to say right. that. We but where do you see yourself in the industry in ten years? And then we work it backward. Um, yes. You know, for our new people, our goal, as long as we have the right ratio of journey worker to arborist, is to get them into that apprenticeship program. And yes. uh, um, we have tuts, oh my gosh apprenticeship. I I could spend an hour just or more talking about apprenticeship, but <laughs> it's a it's a plug and play training program. And so someone can go from knowing absolutely nothing in the industry to being qualified to lead a crew in two to three years, depending on how fast they want to get through that. The beauty of it is, is there are defined mile markers. There's defined skill sets that you have to sign off on. There's specific related learning, which... Shout out to TCIA with their online modules now and the Brightspace system. Um, we're using that for our related learning for the apprenticeship here locally. And so then that person can take that, they're, they're a journey worker at the end of this apprenticeship and they can take that across the country. It's a nationally recognized certification by the I U.S. Department it. of Labor. And you know they can, they can choose to become an ISA certified arborist or not. Um, we're, we're working with local, local municipalities to start recognizing not only ISA certification, but also journey worker level arborists, um, to, to when, when they're, when a company is applying for licensure, most of the municipalities require ISA certified arborist. Um, but, um, in addition, a journey worker arborist, um, has that training knowledge to be effective and safe. So, um, it's that that's kind of one area for brand new people is get them through apprenticeship for people who come to us with experience, you know, apprenticeship doesn't really make sense. They're already really at that journey worker level, finding out what gets them excited. Um, you know, for some it's training others, uh, for some it's focusing on safety or operations. And what you do then is say, okay, well, what, what kind of training can we get you to, to make you better at that? Um, So one of our employees, um, we sent him to, you know, do some more climbing training um, because even though he's been in the industry for eight years, he just felt like there are some techniques he didn't have. Um, And that just gives him more confidence that then he can bring that back here um, and train other people. Um, you know, one of them wants to g- kind of be a train, train the trainer kind of person. Um, and so we're getting him as CTSP, um, and we're going to hopefully put him through that program TCIA has where they essentially take all the apprenticeship courses, but at a level where they learn how to teach those. Uh, and so just you know, some people, they are interested in mechanical stuff, right? And great. Eventually, we're going to be big enough that we're going to be able to pay somebody full time to do just be our lead mechanic. Um, so sure, we'll foster that. We'll send you to small engine courses, those types of things. So just really finding out what what excites them. For our project manager, she's interested in marketing. So when we get big enough and we can bring marketing in-house, you know, hopefully we'll she'll have gone through enough courses Um, and have enough experience to take that on and somebody else can take her role. So there's just, there's so many ways to do it, but it really should be, you you have to bring it up as a manager or an owner, but it should be driven by that, the employee. Um, so they really have a stake in what they're doing.
0: So career development is not necessarily like a uh, linear progression, like, yeah, you enter the industry here and you, you know, hit these milestones and advance this way. When you're talking about it, you're talking about tailoring, um, learning, like a fostering a, a culture of like a continuous learning, but it's tailored to to each individual employee's interest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we go to program, right, we, we will look through the schedule together and say, okay, now you there's there's some classes you guys must attend because we think they're important, but then here's here's plant health care stuff, uh here's safety stuff, you know all of these things um go explore we're paying you to be here as long as you learn
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and then they can bring those things back and and train the team on what they learned in those sessions, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. that's
0: the right way absolutely. to do a show, just putting it out there, yep. folks um why do you think? I've got some ideas in my mind, you know, um, keeps employee engagement high, helps with retention, which lowers your recruiting costs, signals an intentionality and professionalism to all the employees, you know, but like, in your opinion, why is this type of environment so critical um, for the tree care, but also for the larger green industry? Why do you think, you know, having that career development path is really important?
1: You know, something we struggle with in the green industry is... The public doesn't understand that we're a skilled trade and come on
0: that's what's up i'm <laughs> with you yes and, 100%. and you know, everyone
1: understands what a journey worker electrician is what a journey worker plumber is right they understand why they need to spend the money to to have a skilled person perform that work and i some people are there in the public, but I think we as a whole industry can do a better job of helping the public understand why they need to pay for our services. You know, Oh, why is it so expensive to remove this tree? Well, because we're not just sending some rando out. Um, It's, it's about making sure that if, if we send skilled people out there, and the public sees, you know, we get compliments all the time that our, our clients can ask anyone on the crew a question and they're gonna be able to answer it knowledgeably and they're gonna see that they're doing things in a safe manner, they're communicating well, they're clearly very knowledgeable in what they do. And so the more and more we can foster that in our industry, so if someone leaves our company and they go somewhere else or they're open up their own thing we know that we've improved the industry as a whole. And that shines through, through, through the whole industry and um, gets us on, on, on a level that I think we should be uh, in, in terms of the respect that um, the, this career deserves. Uh, it's, it's also a lot easier to have kids grow up aspiring to be an arborist, landscaper, lawn care, whatever, someone in the green industry, and for parents not to go, ah, that's just a summer job.
0: Yes. No, it's a career. There's a career. (laughs) Yes, thank you.
1: And it's really critical. I mean, right now, there's millions of dollars going into green infrastructure projects in the United States. There's a ton. Ton of money poured in, you know, grants available, all of that, because people are finally starting to realize that green spaces are critical to human health and well-being, and you know, environmental health. I mean, there's just the I again. I can oh yeah, go
0: there's there's a ton of research it. that there's like a direct link between not just mental health, but actual physical health. Yes. Based on, especially in urban areas, based on the number of trees per city block, like oh yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's a straight line from A to B. So yeah, I oh, agree yeah. with you. It's absolutely essential.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so for for me, um, it's it's just about making sure that people understand how important our our work is, and also that helps you know, on a very basic level, if you are putting that education into your team, then they understand more the purpose of what they're doing. Um, and, and that carries out into the public.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, as we're getting towards the back end of the show here, I want to just touch on this third point. You talked about emphasizing health and wellness for everyone in your team. And I just want to take a moment to pause right here and just point out all three of your bullet points here have been very people-focused, right? Whether it's the owner and the management team, whether it's your employees, all of your you know, points that you're saying, this is what makes a successful company are all focused on people, um, not on necessarily on processes or systems, even though those, those contribute, but those are a means to an end um, towards your goals as the owner and the manager. And so I just think that that's... Um, incredible you know just awesome i don't think i've ever had a guest where all three of them were like so directly like people 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 um absolutely not that we haven't had people focused guests i'm not saying that i'm just saying
1: um yeah
0: but what does prioritizing health and wellness look like like how would a company show their team that this is a priority
1: right um so, you know, from a very basic level, um, we are insane in that we pay 100% of employee health care premiums, right? So, so you, you know, it's one of those golden rule things, treat others how you want to be treated. I remember growing up, my dad had, you know, health care for the whole family and the company paid for it. And, and then that just sort of went away um, because we got so much more focused on profits and um, you know, shareholders and all that kind of stuff. And, and so bringing it back to just that basic security and that I can go get healthcare when I need it, not just if I get hurt at work, because they have work comp. Um, so, so that's the basic thing, but beyond that, um, my, my background in medicine and nutrition, I just like, it wouldn't be right for us to be a company that doesn't prioritize that. And, and it all comes down honestly to safety. Um, If, if your people aren't properly hydrated, if they don't have the proper nutrition, if their head isn't right, then you're going to end up with injuries. Um, People are going to going to leave, you know, it's, it's the health of the people, it's the health of the company. And so it's just, an obvious thing for me that I don't see us talk a whole lot about in, in our industry in terms of safety. So for us, we prioritize, you know, making sure everybody stays hydrated in, in the right way. So we purchase um, it's a product called working athlete um, hydrate and recover. And I I kind of make everybody use it. (laughs) Last year we bought everybody these, you know, insulated water bottles, And I said, okay, in the morning, you're going to put the powder in your water bottle. You're going to get, you know, put some ice and water in there. And I want you to drink half of it before you get out to the field. I want you to drink the other half at lunchtime. And the rest of the day, I want you to drink regular water. If you're, you know, and watch each other, right? If somebody's acting strange, not focused, confused, whatever, stop, you know, get them down. Let's you know get some more of that hydrate and recover. You know, make sure everybody's good. But staying hydrated through the day is just critical to safety. And on top of it, I was realizing people weren't eating lunch because they were trying to like go fast and and you know pr- production. And, and we're not a super production focused company, um, like like a lot are. Um, to our maybe our own detriment, but that's just how we operate um because we want it done right and safely and and so not that production can't be done properly and safely but of course anyway besides the point um <laughs> we started buying snacks to keep in the office so if people showed up and they didn't have the food they needed for the day they you know grab some snacks we have a little snack fund we ask people to put money in but whether or not they do, we continue to provide those things. Um, we've got, you know, healthy frozen burritos in the freezer. We've got a microwave, that nice. type of a thing. So, you know, if if people didn't eat breakfast, like please grab something before you go out to the field. You know, bring bring some food with you. Um, please take a lunch break. I don't know how good they are about doing it, but at least they have food with them instead of getting at the end of the day. I don't know how. I mean, these people are athletes, right? And so the industrial athlete needs to be properly hydrated and fueled. And and then, you know, beyond that, um, you know, kind of the wellness piece, we want to make sure people are uh, having having fun, having a having good relationships at work. Um, So we really, you know, we we take the time to do those things. Like I mentioned, we do the climbing competitions. We kind of go out and do things as a whole. Um, but we also like, we did first aid and CPR research last week. And instead of doing production the rest of the day, I was like, let's go out to a fun place for lunch, you know, connect, um, you know, do something like, and then we came back and did a little bit of shop work and everybody left. Um, we, in fact, I, we had to kick them out cause they were still, they, they're building a new <laughs> arborist corner in the barn that, you know, where they can teach each other different skills. Um, and so I was like, okay, guys, really (laughs) go home. Um, but you know, making sure that our people have what they need to, to just be, you know, happy, healthy humans. I mean, it's kind of maybe a little bit touchy feely, but, uh, I think it's important. Um, and, and today's workforce relies upon that, um, you know, back in the day, I mean, it was sort of like you go, you make money, you come home. And, you know, even if you hate your boss or whatever, you just stick with the job because it's, you know, it's just a job. Um, But, you know, it's, you know, we, it's a family here. And so if someone's having a hard time, you know, we don't, we can't pry, uh, you know, from HR perspective, but we always ask people, you know, what's going on? How, how, how can we help you? Um, we sit down on Fridays with a different person every Friday, uh, just for a few minutes in the morning, just to check in. Um, it's not a review, it's nothing. It's just more just a, Hey, how's it going? What do you need to, to be able to do your job? Um, what are we doing? Well, um, what are we, what do you need from us? Um, here's some things that we saw this week that you did great and, you know, just off you go. So, so really, combining all of those things um, to make sure people are not only physically well uh, from a hydration and nutrition standpoint, but also mentally well. Um, And and for me, I'm actually as people focused as I am. I'm not a super touchy feely person. Um, I have to work hard to you know do those simple things like ask how someone's weekend was and and all of that. But really prioritizing, thinking about, okay, what am I going to do today? That's intentional. That shows people that I care besides money and benefits.
0: Yeah. Yes. Besides money and benefits. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, You can't throw money at bad culture. Um, Mm -hmm. it sounds like you guys have good culture. So, um, I love that. Uh, Megan, if, people are listening to this and they want to learn more about altitude arborists. There might be some folks, you know, there might be some arborists listening to this that are in your area that are like, I need to apply. Um, (laughs) you know, they have free burritos. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but but in all seriousness, I mean, you know, it sounds like you guys are running a pretty amazing shop there. So like if people want to connect with you personally, they want to follow the company. Um, how would they, how would they get in touch with you guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, our website's really easy. It's just altitudearborist.com. I always make sure people know that it's singular and not plural. So no S on the end. Um, if they want to connect directly, I'm happy to share my email. It's just megan at altitudearborist.com. And I think that'll probably be in the show notes. Um, I, I am on LinkedIn. I'm not awesome at LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> but if someone's on LinkedIn, I'm I'm Megan Townsend. Um, and then my credentials are in my name as well, which is PAC, um, which is that medical part of, of my life.
0: Nice. Um,
1: and then, uh, of course, you know, we're on our companies on Facebook as well. And we, cool. we try to keep keep social media going through our fractional CMO. I don't spend a lot of time um, but, but I, yeah.
0: I, I am, I'm am a marketer, um, and I'm a green industry guy first, but I'm a marketer. Uh, I have two social media certifications and I, I'm awful at it. So like, don't feel, <laughs> don't feel yeah. bad. I actually try yeah. to avoid it. I'm very grateful yes. for Amy at, uh, at single ops who does a fabulous job with our socials. Nice. Cause I don't have to touch it. Nice. I don't, I don't want to. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But, but yeah, come see me at TCIA expo in November. Yeah, Absolutely um and which where is that's at
0: expo and where is expo at expo
1: st louis november 16 to 18 yeah Um, thank you TCIA. i'm plugging that um but (laughs) absolutely please do um but uh the you know i i speak at other events as well um and then you know if people are interested in one-on-one coaching just reach out um so happy happy to share the the knowledge so we can have uh better companies all around that's that's our aim
0: absolutely megan this has been a blast today thank you so much for making the time i really appreciate it
1: absolutely thank you so much this has been a lot of fun
0: absolutely and kind of a
1: dream you know my yeah. favorite podcast
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to do another maybe we'll do a, another one shortly about uh about the apprenticeship program because i think that's a pretty cool oh, yeah. topic too so
1: 100
0: all right it's hey nice nice thanks megan you
1: absolutely take care have you a good
0: one yeah Wait, before you go, did you know that this podcast is only one of the free resources we've created just for you? It's true. We've got guides outlining the best practices for the green industry, including how to market your business, streamline your sales process, and recruit and retain the best talent in your market. Plus, there are guides about what reports you should be monitoring and best practices for change management. You can find these at singleops.com under the Resources tab. You can also check out blogs with topics like turning invasive pests into a recurring revenue stream, how to correctly price your services, how to properly approach your customers with a price increase, how to persuade your boss to get the tools you need, and of course best practices for switching your software. There's no sales pitch with that one, it's just a list of items to consider. You can find those articles and more at singleops.com backslash blog use the search bar if you're looking for something specific we're here to help and now we're going to let you get back to that sweet outro music